0: We decided to be radically transparent. We knew that there was a lot of anxiety around these medicines, and we wanted people to feel comfortable and confident. So we posted everything that we did on our website, whether it was the protocols for our trials or open letters to the public about how we were able to go so quickly. And so we learned a lot about science, and in the end, I I think we set a new standard for transparency that, that we will live up to in the future.
1: Hi, I'm Matt Rubel, and welcome to Retails from the Frontline. I'm in Dallas, Texas, and today we're going to talk with someone about something incredibly important that's going on, and it's how we're dealing with COVID 19 and some of the wonderful discoveries that have happened in science today, um, especially through Pfizer, which has the first vaccine that is out on the marketplace. Today, I am joined with a very special uh, friend, Sally Sussman, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Pfizer. Sally has had a storied career um, in the beauty industry as well as in uh, the financial services industry, but today she sits atop one of the great companies that's making a difference in how we live our lives. Sally, welcome, it's good to see you.
0: Oh, thanks, Matt. It's great to see you again. And I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, you're in in New York City, I believe, at uh, Pfizer's global headquarters as we're speaking right now. But uh, even more importantly, I believe you were in the room where it happened when you first heard that there was a vaccine. Can you just kind of bring us into that room uh, and let us know like, what was going on at that time and how people felt?
0: Of course I can because it's a moment I will never forget in my entire life. It was a Sunday and a few of us had gathered. It was Albert Borla, Pfizer's CEO, Michael Dolston, our chief scientist, and Doug Lankler, our general counsel and myself, and we were at our small satellite office that we have in Costco, Connecticut. And we knew that this was the day that the Data Monitoring Committee, which is an independent advisory board uh, organized by the FDA, was reviewing our, our clinical trials. And we had over 44,000 people in our clinical trials. And the way it worked is simply that half the people got our vaccine and half the people got a saltwater placebo. And on this day, the committee would be looking at all the people who got COVID, and we had almost 100 people who had COVID. They would unblind them and find out how many that got sick had our vaccine and how many had placebo. And when they opened up those results and they called and they, our scientists were there and our scientists told us that over 95% of the people who had COVID had received the placebo. So this meant that our vaccine was highly, highly effective. We were so nervous waiting for this. We were trying to kill time. We're watching the TV, we're pacing, we're playing with our phones. And then the moment came, we we jumped for joy, Uh, some of us cried, we all couldn't wait to call our families because we've been working on this 24-7 for 10 months, and it was just a profound moment when you get the feeling that we might be able to do this, we knew we could actually do this, and we might be able to help people get their lives back, and that it was a ray of light at the end of a very, very long tunnel. And it was a great honor for me to be in that room that day. I'll never forget
1: it. Well, I mean, in in a room where you discover that, you know, in many in many ways, like really, this is a a major step forward for humanity, um, and and how we can make people's lives safe again in a in a very special a special way.
0: I just had to. Sorry, Matt. I just had to add something important that I forgot, which is, our chief scientist was hoping for seventy percent effective. We had. No dreams that it would be this high. And when they told our CEO that it was 90% effective, he said, one nine or ninety, because it was just such a incredible number. And our chief scientist said, that day may be the greatest medical advance in a hundred years. So I could go on and on. It's just I feel so passionately about the excitement of that moment. Unforgettable.
1: So, so you know, seventy percent expectations and a ninety-five. I mean, it's kind of like going in for that exam, you know, that you thought you were going to not do so well, and 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 you ended up studying really hard and coming out. But you know, one of the things that you know I've I've learned in what was done here is that it's not just this great achievement um, that Pfizer actually has brought to the market, and we'll talk a little bit later about how it's being brought to people and to the many people um, via retail, to the retail community and to others. But but the discovery itself um, was done in a different way. And it really has changed much of the way in which we have engaged um, with science. Um, Can you talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that were done here at a high level? Um, that make this different and made this a world working together?
0: Sure. There were so many things that we did differently than we had in the past. First is, back in March, uh, we put out a five-point plan on collaboration and decided we would work across the sector uh, with people who had been our previous competitors because during the pandemic, the only enemy was the virus and time. And so, in this case we partnered with BioNTech, a German biotech, but we also worked with many others across the system. And we tried a novel technology, something that had never been used before, called mRNA technology. So unlike traditional vaccines that you've received in the past where a little bit of the virus would be put in you to jumpstart your antibodies, in this case we put in no virus. The the injection is a genetic message that talks to your immune system and tells it to get going create immo- immunogenicity and create antibodies and by doing this we took a big big risk on a new technology that has never before created a drug but allowed was one of the key things that allowed us to cut development times dramatically back so this is a, a scientific innovation it's something that we and others will use in other kinds of drug discoveries in the future. So making other kinds of medicine for influenza, for oncology, for pain, come forward more quickly. So there were a ton of scientific innovations and there were also a number of innovations in my space, closer to the communications and marketing area, where we decided to be radically transparent. We knew that there was a lot of anxiety around these medicines. And we wanted people to feel comfortable and confident. So we posted everything that we did on our website, whether it was the protocols for our trials or open letters to the public about how we were able to go so quickly. And so we learned a lot about science and I learned a lot about my trade as well. During was this anybody time.
1: worried about trade secrets at that point in time?
0: Well, some of the scientists were saying, oh my gosh, you're nuts. You're going to put our, our intellectual property up on the internet. This is, this is what we work for. This is our, our secret sauce. But we were able to come to the decision together that in this case, um, the value of the transparency was worth the risk of the so-called trade secrets. And by the way, you need about four PhDs to be able to understand this stuff. So it's not as if the average lay person can walk away and cook up some mRNA in their kitchen. I mean, this is a, a high-tech product, requires a lot of advanced um, manufacturing to make it. And in the end, I, I think we set a new standard for transparency that, that we will live up to in the future. I mean, it's there's no going back from this. It's a new world, a new way of doing things.
1: So, so showing what humanity can do to enable itself, to better itself when it holds hands across the world and across different companies and different unions to make something happen, happened in as rapid a time. And actually it's changed medicine for the future. So, so dealing with the, the crisis that we're in today, you know, we're at a moment in time, we're headed into winter. um, And the, the actual uh, number of cases is at a high um, yet the vaccine is now being distributed and another vaccine has actually just hit the market as well here in the US. What are some of the key considerations that retailers need as you've developed your own radical transparency? What do they need to communicate to their employees and their customers about taking the vaccine and ways to find and get the vaccine that are important?
0: Mm-hmm. Well now is the time to not only communicate but to over communicate. Uh, people are anxious. they need more information, not less. We do a lot of research as to which voices have the most resonance and the most impact. Um, you know it's very clear that people want to hear from people they know, from medical professionals. And you know retailers are known to people. the corner, the store on the corner, the favorite place in the mall, I think being able as best we can to keep these places safe and open is very important. As you said, there are right now a lot of cases that are, are growing and it's going to take a while to get the vaccine through to the public. The demand is larger than the supply at the moment, though we're we're working hard to fix that. So I hope that the retailers can do two things. One, I hope they can stay open and find ways to do so safely I have to say that I came into my office for the first time in a long time to join you today. And I took a walk over to Saks Fifth Avenue and I walked through the store and it it really raised my spirits. I mean, there's something very special about what retailers do for their customers. And the second thing that we hope you'll join the world in doing is building confidence for these vaccines, whether it's Pfizer's vaccine or Moderna or any others that may be approved over time. We need to talk about the science, and we need to get people to understand it, so that they can naturally have confidence in taking it, so that we can get to that seventy-five percent uh, rate of vaccine, to get to a herd immunity, to get our lives back.
1: So, if you were running, you know, a retailer today, and you turned around and you heard this, and you said, "What?" what should I do? Is it taking in an ad? Is it creating distribution materials that you know they can talk to? Is it about having seminars um, with their employees because the retail industry is the largest employer in the United States? What are the actual things and where do they get the information so they're telling the truth as right. we know it?
0: Right. Um, well, obviously, you are a great communicator, as are most retailers. And I would suggest two things. One is there's a tremendous amount of great and and very clean and clear information available from places like the CDC and other uh, scientific-based, medical-based kinds of places. But the other thing is this distribution is happening state by state. So the federal government has procured doses for the American public, and then they are distributing those in partnerships with the governors. And knowing that a lot of your members are politically active and helpful in their communities, I strongly urge them to reach out to the governor's or the governor's offices and say, you know, what is your plan? How can we help? Can our venue be of assistance? Can our people help ferry elderly people to the vaccination site? And and really, it's, it's a local distribution system at this point, state by state.
1: And in in the local, I think it's a great idea in terms of actually we talk about getting out the vote. It's like, let's get out people for the vaccine. I mean, there's a campaign that one can create here. It's let's help bring the elderly. Let's bring those who can't get there. Let's find ways to give them a lift. You know, to there, um, to, to a place where they can get this taken care of. And I think that's great. And now are the CVSs and the Walgreens and places like that starting to distribute this as well? And how do they prioritize it? And how can people work with, with places like that?
0: Oh, yeah. CVS and Walgreens are, are doing a great job. Uh, both companies are um, officially distribu- distributing partners uh, with the government. They, however, are um, subject to the same rules we all are in terms of who can go first, who can go second, who can go third. So we know first it was the frontline medical workers, the elderly. We now see the second wave will include people over 75 and what are essential workers, so not necessarily uh, frontline healthcare workers, but essential workers who keeping open the stores or the groceries become important. And CVS and Walgreens will be great partners. I also want to put in a plug for UPS and FedEx, who are doing a great job amidst a time when there are so many more packages being sent because of COVID and it's the holiday season and the vaccine is being trucked out all at the same time. And, you know, I'm sure your people, your members have great relationships with those transportation partners. And I think helping them and working with them and sorting through logistics problems would be really really meaningful.
1: No, you're 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 absolutely right. I mean, this was because everybody is at home and not able to go into stores, the amount of packages shipped this November and December is so much greater than any other year and the fact that UPS and FedEx are also making room to bring this to people during this time and prioritizing it is really quite amazing. So when you look at the distribution curve of this, will the distribution curve be different state by state just because of you know how how effective that state may be at communicating and distributing it or do you believe it'll be pretty much the same across the country?
0: I think it will be pretty much the same with you know a few differences. We have been uh, conducting pilot programs with the states to help them get ready to understand how to store the vaccine, how to, to use it, how many jabs are in each vial, you know, what kind of needles and syringes are the best to use. So when we've been partnering with them, we found an incredible level of competence. You know, a governor is a lot like a CEO of a business. They're they're very execution oriented, they're, they're very businesslike. And I think, by and large, they're doing a great job against a lot of pressure and, you know, in a situation where there's a lot of fear and anxiety. I'm sure some will do it a little better than others, but on the whole, I think we can have faith and real confidence in their ability to get this done. The governors are awesome.
1: Awesome. Yeah, you you you've done a tremendous amount of research. I can't wait to find out who's the spokesperson who who's showing the most effective at telling the story or making people feel comfortable and hearing a little more about that. But but as you you know look at this in terms of the effectiveness of of getting it out, um, what is the number one? thing that people are concerned about that we could address right here that is just factually wrong based on what you all in the scientific community understand?
0: Well, people who are um, hesitant to take a vaccine have often had a, a bad experience of some sort, something perhaps inexplicable or something that they don't understand uh, perhaps a, a, a illness or death even of, of a loved one. And so I have a lot of empathy for the people who are lacking in confidence because I think they're actually scared. And so what I try to do as a communicator on behalf of Pfizer and what I would love the help of your vast network with is really understanding that this um, science has been tested on more than 44,000 people, that the fact that it went quick doesn't mean any corner was cut. In fact, you know, a company like Pfizer, founded in Brooklyn, 171 years ago, is not going to cut any corner. Um, you know, we have a, a legacy and a tradition to live up to. And you know, Matt, you and I were talking uh, before the start of this conversation about our mutual friend Leonard Lauder and how someone like Leonard would never cut a corner. Pfizer would never cut a corner. And I know many of your great retailers are the same. And so living up to that legacy and and really being as open and transparent and answering as many questions as we can is what we want to do because I I really want to reach out to the people who who are concerned and explain it as best we can, make our scientists available, uh, make people who have participated in this along the way start to talk about their experience. I mean, today uh, Joe Biden got his vaccine yesterday or the day before. Vice President Pence got his vaccine. This display of people getting it, I think, built enormous confidence.
1: Yeah, no, there's a there's a great a great way to kind of enable people to understand if I'm doing it, it's good for all of us, you know, and and setting that that standard.
0: You know, it's really interesting. The research shows that it's your local people, it's your minister. Your doctor, your teacher, the retailer down the down at the mall, or you know, on the on the on the avenue, um, and that's why it's kind of a an effort that's going to just have to be done wholesale.
1: Are there any logistical issues that we can help with? Are there any? Areas other than the communication that we just talked about, um, and the things that you know some of the lo- great logistics partners are dealing with, are there any things that we can um, unlock that are you know kind of creating any challenges? Any other things that we should be thinking about?
0: Well, I love the question because your your folks are experts at logistics and supply chain and delivery. But again, I would please ask if folks can reach out to their governors the governors are doing their best but it's a it's a monumental challenge to create a you know frontline retail distribution at this level and each one of them has their own bespoke plan uh, they know their their states they know where the senior centers where the hospitals most in need and i would again just suggest that they reach out to those those leaders who are really on the front lines the governors
1: so, you know, when we, when we opened up, you talked about some of the, the ways in which the world was working together, you know, and we're in a time where, you know, there's so many um, different challenging communication moments to unite and to create um, one North Star for all. Talk a little bit from a personal standpoint, how this crisis, Has perhaps given you even greater hope that we as a community can, when focusing on the North Star, come together to do amazing things?
0: Oh, thank you so much. That's a a beautiful question. And, you know, I, I think all of us search for purpose and we want to work in situations that make us feel full of purpose. At Pfizer, our, our mandate, our North Star, is breakthroughs that change patients' lives. And having the opportunity to work on this and to partner with people in hospitals, the people in the medical centers that ran the trials, the people who provided the raw materials, it really restored my belief in our ability to come together to solve big, big problems and to keep our eye on that North Star You know, uh, you probably know the the great story about when President Kennedy went down to to Houston and saw that that's where they were working on trying to build a rocket ship to, to go to the moon. And he had the chance to meet a janitor there. And he asked him, you know, what is it, sir, that you do here? And the janitor replied, I'm putting a man on the moon. This is COVID is like putting a man on the moon. Solving COVID is that same level of complexity, it's gonna require all of us to pull together and to work together. You know, I can't wait to take this vaccine, but I will wait until it's my turn in line. You know, there we have to really be smart here and, and, and think together and be strategic. And the way the authorities are rolling out this vaccine, the hierarchy of who gets it first is is both strategic and compassionate. And I think we need to really hold hands and, and wait our turn. Let the people who are on the front lines or in the vulnerable positions go first, and support each other during what has been a, a really tough time.
1: Sally, how do people know when it's their turn? Well,
0: it's it's been uh, Matt pretty pretty publicized. It, it comes out of the guidelines um, from an, from organizations at the CDC, and I mean I even find it in the paper. You know, there's one A, one B. Uh, One C, as I mentioned, that the latest folks to come online or the 75 and older will be next. Essential workers uh, will be next. And, and, you know, I suspect I'm not an expert at this, but I suspect that some retailers could qualify uh, for that essential worker list, depending on what you're providing to the public.
1: And so, enabling some of their their actual employees who are facing the public and serving the public, if it's in food places or other other places like that, they can actually enable their employees to move into the line appropriately um, and and effectively. You know, well, Sally. You know, for me, um, it's it's a gift, and I can honestly say I've had uh, some tingles throughout this um kind of some chills running up my spine a couple of times when we've talked about this because you know solving a great problem like what Pfizer and other you know great you know scientists have done here you know this past year I think what what we've learned is some of the lessons that you've talked about is that together we can um build a better tomorrow in so many ways. And so for the retail community to be a part of that tomorrow and bring it forward in how we communicate, how we distribute, and how we enable the vast number of people that we engage with to be a part of this solution shows that when you're open, when you use ingenuity, and you have great fortitude and resources, together we can solve all sorts of problems to make the planet better. And so, Sally, for you to be that spokesperson for Pfizer makes it clear, cogent, and easy, and the research behind it really makes it great. Is there anything else that you'd like to share on this great journey that you're most proud of, you know, just regarding Pfizer's role and the scientist's role in in making this happen?
0: Oh, thank you so much, Matt. And I do. There is um, one last thought. I really want to share. And that is um, certainly the brilliant science is is deserves a lot of the credit for this. But so too, I, I want to comment on the power of the private sector. You, Pfizer did not take any money from government to bring this uh, vaccine forward. We put $2 billion at risk of our own money because we wanted to have our precious freedom to be able to Move at our own pace to conduct our trials the way we know how to conduct them. And I'm I'm all for private public partnerships and the right moments. But having spent my career in business, I'm a big believer in business as a problem-solving institution. And certainly all of the people in the retail community, that retail community that I know are very compassionate and very generous and very purpose-driven. And this moment with Pfizer bringing forward this vaccine first, when we decided that we were going to start manufacturing doses even before we had approval, so that when we got approval, the next day, those trucks could pull out of our factory in Kalamazoo and start delivering around the country, was a risk we could take because we manage our own destiny and and we put our own capital at risk. And... I just think that this is a shining moment for the private sector. And as you know, you are all leaders in that area as well, I think it's a great opportunity to sh- showcase how capitalism can be a real force for good.
1: Well, I think instead of kisses under the mistletoe this year, we're going to have vaccines under the mistletoe, So, um, which is better than a kiss because it's a kiss of good health. And so... I'm really excited, Sally, for you to have joined us. It's Sally Sussman, the Executive Vice President and Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Pfizer, who was in the room where it happened and it was discovered that there was a 95% efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine. And so we are looking forward to a spring where it continues to become more light and more health as we move forward. And so we thank you for joining us. And I'm Matt Rubel. This is Retails from the Front Line, where we bring you the inside story of what's going on in the world that impacts our retail community.